Hello, listeners. My name is Aaron Poffat, and welcome to another episode of the LSE Focal Point podcast. I am delighted to welcome Marie Dezanis, Head of Asset Management for EMEA and CEO of EMEA at Northern Trust Asset Management. Marie's background is truly incredible, working her way up at top firms such as JP Morgan, BlackRock, and finally all the way to the top at Northern Trust Asset Management. It's truly a pleasure to have you on the show. Marie, how are you today? I'm very well and thrilled to be here. Thank you. To get started, can you please just explain a bit more about your background? Obviously, I've given a little bit of insight, but a more personal touch would be great. Oh, sure. Throughout my career, I've always had great passion around being self-made. I, I like my own individual accomplishments. And what I've learned is you have to take on jobs and responsibilities early in your career that others don't want to do. It's not just about jobs and tasks, but getting certifications or be willing to take on an assignment that's a real stretch and, and allow yourself that ability to build credibility in the firm and also make a name for yourself. Through doing this, though, what I found was I enjoyed most that I personally liked to creatively help clear the way for very talented individuals to execute to their best ability. I personally never had an easy path. There wasn't a roadmap delivered to me. So in my career, what I always wanted to do for others was not have them deal with the lack of the roadmap or spend time figuring out how they need to be successful in an organization. And I learned that when you find the convergence of what you enjoy most and what enables you to take on more responsibility is what you will do well with. You become playful. You take calculated risks. And it's easier to become an expert and known for something in the area where you enjoy. And I've also noted that I was aware very early on every step of my career that I was different. There were very few women in asset management industry when I started. And those who were in, they were usually with different types of roles that were expected to be more administrative or you know, more junior. And so that was really interesting for me because I learned that people can underestimate what you can do. And that's when you can really show your talent and they never see it coming. That's an incredible, incredible start for our listeners. I think, you know, you're almost doing yourself a disservice to say people are underestimating you. It's such a shame that that was the case. Obviously, you're incredibly capable. And that's why we're so excited to have you on the show today. So thanks for that introduction. Moving on, could you do us a favor and explain what it actually looks like to work at a company like Northern Trust and how life differs from being slightly less senior and all the way at the top where you are now? Sure. At Northern Trust Asset Management, we've always prided ourselves on being a firm that's highly ranked to be one of the best places to work. And part of that is because culture is such an important part of who we are and what we do. And at the 10 years that I've worked there, we've always been focused on making NPM the type of place that people want to stay. They want to come back. They want to have their next generation work there too, or refer other people. But what that means in practice is that you have to have a lot of different perspectives that are welcome. And everyone in the organization has a voice. People are connected to what's going on with the bigger picture. And that's a very deliberate arrangement. We have a very approachable organization and there's engagements at all levels of the business, which might be different than other places. And certainly other places that I've worked that might be more hierarchical. And of course, we have high expectations. We're a global investment management firm, but we provide friendly and welcoming environments for everyone. So and if you're willing to invest your career, then NTAM will too. And if you have the opportunity to step up and you're willing to do so, great. So new talent coming in, you're interested, we'll put you to work. We have things like case studies and Dragon's Den exercises. 
that turn into real methods of implementation. And it gives us great joy that when we find these different perspectives or fresh ideas or newer talent can contribute in ways that would shape the future of our strategy and our organization. So it's a lot of fun. And what I would say as a piece of advice is always interview a company so you understand how decisions are made, what type of voice the partners have, and really get under the hood of understanding what the culture is. That's really great to know. I think cultural insights are actually incredibly difficult to get from just a website or just from, you know, speaking to a couple of employees. So really hearing that from the top is huge for our listeners, especially as a lot of them are very driven individuals who want to make a difference in their life. Being at a firm like uh, NTAM, where they are rewarded for that, that drive is really good to hear. Thank you. And before we get onto the firm itself, asking more specific questions, it would be great to know a bit more about you and your personal accolades. I saw that you were recently included in the financial news's top 100 most influential women in European finance, and previously that you've received a top Women to Watch Award and top Women in Asset Management Award. What are the criteria for these? And tell us more about yourself as a figurehead for women in asset management. So there are many reasons, good, solid business reasons why diversity is important. But ultimately, it's because diversity wins. We need to hear all of the voices around the table to make sure that we're making the best decisions possible. And it's something that we work very hard at at my firm. It's not just about hiring. It's about once you acquire that talent that's diverse, to know how to have them included into the power, into the decisions, into management, so you can get the best out of them. It means that your firm has got to be committed to challenge and open and accepting of new ideas. The other part of this is that firms that are committed to diversity have to get people engaged in broader industry initiatives. We need to benchmark and hear how we're doing. And it's one of the ways that people like to be involved and bring that knowledge back to the firm. But being involved in these initiatives helps you also build your network, which is an important piece of advice anyone at this stage of their career, as they're coming into an organization, as they have the first years of working, having industry connections and being able to understand how your firm is from a culture standpoint, how the results of your firm is relative to the industry is very important. The other thing is, is being engaged at a firm, you need to have mentors. And, and we talk about mentors, I believe that an individual has to have three types of mentors. Early stage, when you first start working, you need a cheerleader. Go, Aaron. Great job. Keep going. <laughs> Hang in there. You're doing the right thing. The second stage, though, of your career, it's important to have a mentor in the organization. They can give you a gut check. You know, I made these decisions. Is that the right choice? Should I have done something differently? But quite frankly, the higher up the food chain you go and the more you evolve in leadership, you need to have a mentor of someone who thinks the opposite of you, a very different way. So it's the person in the room that you look at and you're like, I don't understand the way they're thinking. You need to be influential. And as a leader, you're measured by how influential you are and how well your people are doing. And I personally believe that the people underneath you, that's how leaders should be measured. People being promoted, makeup of your team, are they empowered? Are they engaged? Do you have people that go on and do things far greater than you've ever done? And lastly, just bear in mind too, the, the criticality of a very good team, dynamics, diversity, different voices. No single person wins. It takes an entire village to get things done. And as a top, you have the responsibility to make sure as many people as possible are getting there too and are winning collectively and have a mindset 
of doing the right thing for the greater good. That was not the perspective I imagined, but one that I think is far more valuable than what I was expecting to hear. Continuing this with this theme, what made you take on the role initially and how did you accelerate to the position that you're in now? I enjoy very much what I do. I'm very personally driven. And when you enjoy what you do, you become playful, as I was saying earlier, and you take calculated risks and at your free time, you are curious about it. So intellectual curiosity and drive and passion around what you do are critical. So this is important for me. One of the most important pieces of advice though, I can give for anyone in their career, as you progress, as you get started, you need to have a communication plan, which covers what you want to achieve in your career and manages expectations between your direct manager and your partners. I find that global companies with regional and generational and cultural differences really need to manage expectations of their partnership. Think of all the different lenses of how people do things and they all may be different. And so I've been here at Northern Trust Asset Management for more than 10 years. And no matter how senior or junior, I always make sure that we have effective communication plans So we know how to manage expectations. Everyone has clear objectives. I know well how I'm I'm doing well. I know the definition of success, whether or not I'm on path for it. And what's the timing for me to achieve those goals? So communication plan is one of the critical things that you need to have with your managers. And I think in terms of people who are younger in their career, you wanna make sure how clear you are with your goals and how often you're expected to check in and what type of feedback you'll have. And this will only help your relationship and credibility. And sometimes at the younger stages of your career, people are frustrated that they're not getting the mentorship that they want or the connection that they want. But again, you need to talk about this up front. The other piece of advice I'd have is early days in your career, invest the time to understand the assignment. I've observed that when people join new jobs or take on new assignments or get, you know, maybe their first promotion, they feel urgency to prove how much they know. And so they're less likely to ask questions. And the real secret is not about how much you know, it's about how much you well-researched the project and what insightful questions you ask and how you engage on those early stages, because that's impressive. In my early days in NTAM, I used to spend time with my, my direct boss saying, let me understand how this works. I want to spend the right time up front. What do you expect of me? And then what that does is having that communication plan really helps me with success. And eventually over time, you communicate very effectively with your boss, very concisely, and you know exactly where each other stands. That's an important aspect of getting your career off on the right path. Thanks for that. That was an incredibly dense answer that I think a lot of our listeners would appreciate because being on the other side of the table where we're just applying for jobs, you know, once we're there, you can be floundering, right? <clears throat> so opening that that level of communication with managers and feeding back to yourself and having that level of self-reflection is going to be key for our listeners to think about when they enter their careers, especially at the graduate level. Right. Specifically, let's talk about the business now. Could you break down from a macro perspective how Northern Trust Asset Management operates as a business? Northern Trust Asset Management, a top 15 global asset manager with more than 1.5 trillion assets under management. And they have over three decades expertise managing over 150 billion in sustainable investment strategies. Our business consists of robust offering of sustainable investments in EMEA, quant active, liquidity, short duration, fixed income. And we deal with very discerning institutional clients across all different regions. We've been working with them 
these clients to deliver our capability in a variety of formats. So we'll have pooled products like funds, we'll have individual seg mandates, and our products are globally designed and locally delivered. So our launch of FlexShares, the ETF platform in EMEA is really thrilling for us as we have such a strong presence and success in the ETF space. Our ETFs are an important solution that's designed for investors to solve several critical challenges that EMEA investors face today, which could be something like managing volatility in their portfolio or search for income in a low or negative yield world. And it also is so exciting because these ETFs can do that while improving the portfolio's carbon footprints. So this resonates very well, especially in EMEA, because I like to think that Europe has great leadership in ESG and sustainable investing. But by launching here, we're leveraging the 10 years heritage in the US of our FlexShare ETF platform. So we're excited, we're continuing to grow it over the coming years, and hopefully your listeners and, and people around will get excited and learn a little bit more about FlexShares uh, here in the launch in EMEA and on the London Stock Exchange. Thank you. Going back to the personal, I looked at some of your personal press releases before this call, uh, and I wanted to ask what you meant when you spoke about the new level of leadership required post-COVID. One of my very favorite stories about leadership is about the British explorer, Sir Ernest Shackleton, who in 1914 abandoned his Antarctic expedition when he, his ship, the Endurance, became trapped in ice flows, forcing him and his crew of 26 people to escape on foot in lifeboats. And it was interesting because it was a story or a narrative about how during tragedy and uncertainty, the leader was able to have and make time for entertainment, for working hard, for being able to celebrate. And he was able to successfully get this crew of 26 people two years later out of that boat and to safety, which is an incredible story when you think about all of the things that he did endure. So this is something that I thought about a lot during the COVID pandemic. What really resonates with me is that you have to have a sense of purpose in what you're doing. And people have to have assignments and roles and understand what their role is of being able to push forward and navigate during difficult times. So I think the future of leadership needs compassion. I think they need clarity of purpose, good judgment to assess that real-time information, and the wisdom to lean on a great team to figure out what's next. Yeah, I think there's a seriously strong point to be made there. Looking at firms that did well throughout the pandemic and firms that didn't, it wasn't necessarily the exact operations that the business was doing, rather the leadership and the management of the teams that was going on. And your focus on purpose really resonates with me because one thing I've noticed, and I'm sure a lot of my colleagues at university and at work have noticed, is a lack of engagement. So giving that level of purpose and empowerment increases that engagement and builds a team that want to work and want to be there for the team. Keeping on this theme of leadership and your sort of mentorship status, I just wanted to ask what it looks to be like a leader of such a large and diverse region like EMEA. Surely one notices a serious cultural differences between countries. What kind of qualities does it take to oversee such a broad role? Well, I'm American. I moved here from the US and before I did, I read Aaron Meyer's book, The Culture Map, which I'd highly recommend reading. It taught me that when entering in a new environment, I've been in many different, I'm well-traveled and know different cultures and have a good diverse group of friends globally, but you really need to be ready to learn about these differences in cultures and practice and business and then embrace them and then learn how to harness them. So it's important to allow space for the understanding that there actually are very different ways in approaching things. 
So as a leader, I think you need to understand those different dynamics and recognize and acknowledge those differences. And that will share how important the diversity of style actually is. So when I got here, I had lots of conversations with my partners and team. I went over 150 hours to just have one-on-one -on -one meetings with people, understand their perspectives. What do we need to do? Where were the gaps? And in fact, I was very candid with them. And I said, look, I'm American here. If I say the wrong thing, just kick me under the table. <laughs> you know, we were able to laugh at the fact that there's going to be things <laughs> I don't know. And, and I'm going to need their help that, to guide me to make sure that we get it right in the culture. And I have funny things that have happened to me in Amsterdam or Saudi, <laughs> you know, but I believe that people really give you the space and grace if you genuinely care about learning what's important to them and honor their culture. So again, it comes back to getting the best out of your teams and the, the commitment for you to understand the value of the individuals. And what that does is that enables them to bring their best self to work and their best service and, and serve your clients in the best way. So every day it's a learning curve. It's a labor of love and I embrace it. Thanks for that. Now, we're in a seriously fast-paced global environment right now. Things are changing. You've got all these crazy different ideas being thrown around that anyone and everyone has access to. What does Northern Trust Asset Management do to stay relevant with competitors in this fast pace? So in our industry, credibility matters. There is no proxy for experience. The types of investors that we work with are expecting firms to deliver results as expected through multiple market cycles. And one of the things we're known for is that our firm has the ability to identify and quantify risk. We believe that in any market cycle, risk is okay. You just need to get paid for the risk you take. So for over 30 years, we've been managing, for example, factors. No matter what the market cycle is, good or bad, this is the ability to be able to get to the intended outcome. It's really about having that experience and time and length and duration through multiple market cycles and all different circumstances that allows you to have credibility. It's about understanding behavioral patterns of markets. And over time, you recognize these patterns. We find that we work very closely and importantly with deep relationships and it served us well over the years. And that's something I would say the investment of time and the due diligence around that to make sure we get the right outcomes for our clients is something that we pride ourselves on as having a very competitive edge for. Thank you for that. What are your own personal hobbies that you think specifically keep you focused on your role? So what do you do outside of work to make sure the work is maintained? Erin, I'm a very big legacy person, and I believe the only way that you can live forever is have many people around you go on and do things far greater than you ever could. So for myself and my husband, David, we don't have kids, but we believe that children and education are keys to the future. And especially young girls have an impact on a community. So we're involved with a charity, Blink Now, that is in Nepal and in a place called Sirket where it focuses on children who are orphans and it's a children's home and school. And we are so excited to help have some role in being able to help them get proper education and go on and either participate in the community or maybe go outside the country and contribute or just be them, their best selves inside of the community. So this is something that my husband and I, not a week goes by that we don't have a conversation with one of these kids are amazing. amazing. It's so humbling. I cannot believe how smart they are. I can't believe how proud I am of them. But you need things like that that resonate with you personally that fill your cup because that makes you a very complete person and also helps, I believe, you center on what's important in life. Really key values that make a difference that make you human and help serve a human community. 
I'd read about the fact that you'd done this, but wasn't sure whether to ask specifically about it because obviously it's a personal thing. So I'm really, really happy you mentioned that. That was great. Do you have any recommendations for our listeners for activities they can do to build their own personal leadership skills? Absolutely. Well, certainly reading. I think I gave you a culture map. And then I would also recommend leading at the edge, the Shackleton story, because that's more through the lens of leadership. But I also like the book Extreme Productivity by Robert Posen, because just little things like emails, if you're not efficient with how you batch them, you can have time wasters during your day. And it's a quick, easy read. And you can read it. Another one, though, that I personally like is Strength Finders and understanding what your personal strengths are as an individual and how that can parlay into being effective in a business sense is very good because we all bring different strengths and angles and such and just being reflective and being open to being reflective on different ways of learning about yourself will help you articulate your value in the business community. So I certainly encourage that. And for me personally, what I do every year at my own time, at my own expense, even today, what I do is I invest in a little bit of training on my own. And I've taken courses on body language, so I could be very effective with presenting. I've taken courses on effective board presentations, executive writing, but be open every year. Take a stretch for yourself. That is something that you invest in yourself. And over time, the, the entire totality of all those lessons will come together in a way you won't even realize how powerful it is. Finally, what is your favorite thing about working at somewhere like NTAM? I don't know if there's a favorite thing. I think there's a lot of things. The people, the culture, getting up every day and feeling connected to something greater that we all are passionate about doing. I work with very smart people that are intellectually curious. They have a lot of fun with what they do, with what they do. They enjoy and take pride in what they do. And I'm very fortunate enough that the people around my executive table are very proud that they're going to have some mark on how we navigate the future and how we make the future better, that our clients are better because we were involved with, with their investments, with their life, with their important priorities. So when you find a place, a company that your professional values and your personal values can coexist, that's an important thing for people to thrive. Now, work is work. They don't call it vacation. They don't call it holiday. They call it work. (laughs) And it does involve a lot of stretches and uncomfortable. But when you feel like you're willing to vulnerably take a risk that you can trust the people around you and that they'll support you as you grow and change and it's okay to make mistakes it's okay to try something and it's okay to be you that's somewhere that makes me very happy so i've been very fortunate that i have a firm like that and i have a wonderful team around me marie i think i speak on behalf of all of our listeners when i say that this interview has been incredible thank you so much for your time and finally thanks to our audience for listening we look forward to giving you more content over the coming weeks